Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. Today it's me, Jeff, and I'm here with Greg and Aaron to talk about endurance training for mountain biking. It's a new year and a lot of people are making goals for the rides they want to do this year and races they want to compete in, so we thought it'd be a good time to talk about endurance training. I'm going to start it off by asking you guys, what does endurance mean to you when it comes to mountain biking? Like, what's kind of your threshold for a ride that requires having extra endurance? I would say, if you're basing it on time, I would say anytime you're getting into like the three plus hour territory, to me, that's endurance, you know, and that's actual riding time. That's not like you were out in the woods for three hours total and you were stopping and having snacks and taking photos that's like sandwich time doesn't count that's right sandwich time (laughs) is not ride time but i think maybe a more i don't know classical definition of endurance training is you know like the 50 mile and up races or you know six hour races that kind of thing yeah personally i found that you can generally fudge it up until about 30 miles and then once you move beyond that then you really need to be diligent in your training and preparation, which is, I think that falls pretty close to Aaron's like time threshold, though. I guess it depends how fast you're riding, too. Right. And it also depends on where you're riding. You know, I was just up in Pisgah over the uh, the holiday break and riding with one of my buddies. And, you know, he says they measure rides in hours, not miles, because the trails are so difficult. And it's true. You know, you could be gone for six hours on a ride in Pisgah and you get back and you've got like 25 miles just because yeah. you're. There's, you know, a lot of hike and biking and, you know, just really technical slow going. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a, a squishy definition, I guess. Yeah. I mean, when we summited Antero this fall, like it was about seven hours door to door. I mean, that includes like sitting on the summit time, but, uh, you know, we covered 25 miles. So it's, uh, definitely a sliding scale. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I'm sure it depends for who you're asking too. I mean, if someone who's just starting out, Maybe their average ride is five miles, and so going 10 or 15 to them would be an endurance ride. So maybe, too, it's it's kind of about the individual, where they're at, what their average ride is like, and then you know anything that's certain percentage over that, that would be an endurance ride, at least to them. So when talking about endurance training, is this something that's just for racing, or are there other advantages to doing that sort of training, even if you're not competing? I would say it's definitely not just for racing. Personally, I love being in good shape simply to see as much terrain as possible on my rides. Uh, And especially when you get into more remote areas, you need like a certain level of endurance just to get back into the mountains and access the places you want to go. So I think being in good shape and having good endurance is excellent for just exploring the areas around you. I also think it's a, a really critical component for your personal safety when riding in the big mountains and in really remote areas. Because when you're in those places, you don't want to be riding at the very edge of your endurance in case you take a wrong turn or the route uh, is more demanding than anticipated. So if you have, you know, let's say on your home terrain, you're logging like really long miles and you don't ride quite that far when you're heading out in the middle of nowhere, you still have some extra gas in the tank in case you need it. There's a lot of ways it can come into play aside from racing. Yeah. And I think too, for me, I found that when I'm tired, I start making mistakes, you know, in terms of technical handling. So for me too, the ride is just a lot more fun if I'm not tired and I'm riding well and I feel like I'm in the flow. But as soon as I get past that threshold of what I'm able to do, yeah, start making mistakes and not having as much fun. 
Yeah, I mean, when you get tired, one of the biggest things I have to fight it as well is you're not looking far enough down the trail. You know, when you when you get really tired, you you drop your head and you're staring at your handlebars or your stem, and you know you're not looking at what's coming, and that's when you start to make stupid mistakes. Yeah, so maybe it's not about the miles, but it's about finishing rides strong too. Even your just everyday weekly ride, it's a good use of endurance training. So. If someone is interested in endurance training, how far in advance of a race or a trip should they start? I mean, as, as far in advance as possible, really. I mean, if you have a specific event or a goal or trip or whatever that you're trying to achieve or make happen, you know, you should allow yourself as much time as you can. You know, it also depends on your base fitness. If you've never done a ride longer than 10 miles, let's say, and you don't ride regularly, maybe you're just getting in one or two rides a week. It's going to be tough to get ready for a 50-mile race, let's say, in a matter of weeks. You know, you can do some, like, kind of crash course training plans in the in the six- to eight-week kind of range before an event. And, and you can really see big gains in your fitness. I actually did an eight-week plan right before I did the BC bike race a couple of years ago. And I, I definitely got way faster and way stronger and had much better endurance. But I also had a really good level of base fitness so it really varies depending on where you're at currently and where you're trying to be but you know I would say kind of a give yourself at least eight weeks before an event to really make some improvements in your riding yeah I don't have a lot to add to that like Aaron said depends on your base fitness and then how long you want to ride during your event you know if you're trading for a 30 mile race that's way different than doing you know like the BC bike race personally when I did the Kohata 100 I spent about six months slowly building from my standard ride length of about 30 miles for a long ride up to 100 for the race. So it really depends on who you are. I would say like build your training plan based on where you're at, you know, and not like, oh, I want to do this race in two weeks. How can I get to that? So what are some of the biggest challenges that an endurance rider is going to face out on the trail? I mean, I'll, I'll answer part of that and say that for me, a lot of it has been mental, especially when training for long races and then, you know, riding in the race itself. I found that usually it was about around like the, the one third mark. So if I was doing like a 50 mile ride when I'm at 16 or 17 miles, it seemed to me every time that I would just be like, oh man, I've gone a long way and I have way farther to go. And that was like a mental block that I had to get past. I found that Dealing with that in the training is what ultimately allowed me to, you know, complete my goal, which was to ride a hundred mile uh, mountain bike race. But yeah, the mental challenge, that was the thing I wasn't prepared for was how difficult that part of the ride was actually going to be. Yeah, I think um, the the mental side of it is huge. You know, even during the, the training itself, not in, in the event, but, you know, resisting the urge to quit training or not pushing yourself as hard as you could. Uh, I mean, the training should really be almost as hard as the race itself. You know, that's how you get faster. And, you know, training can be boring. You know, it's kind of drudgery. And you got to do it even if you don't want to. You know, you got to do it when the weather's shitty. You got to ride alone a lot of time. Maybe you have to ride late at night or early in the morning to work it into your schedule. And that stuff takes a mental toll on you. And you got to do it. You know, you'll be happy that you did. Yeah, it seems like it's so easy to make excuses, especially with training, because you're like, oh, it's raining today, it's all right, it's not the race, I'll do the race, but <laughs> this today is just it's not convenient or whatever. 
So yeah, sticking to that training schedule is definitely a tough part of it. Right. And it, it does get easier to stick to it once you've been doing it for a couple of weeks. You know, once you kind of get into your routine, you know, kind of just it becomes part of your day. So sticking with it, that's a huge mental thing for sure. And then I will say after like, for instance, after doing the BC bike race last year, that kind of gave me a whole new mental edge because that was a really hard event. You know, I had never ridden for I'd never done a stage race before and doing that riding really demanding terrain for seven seven days in a row was it was awesome but it was really tough and that showed me you know that I could go farther that I had I did have a little bit more in the tank than I thought I did you know there are times in the race where it was you know almost 100 degrees and I'm just like sucking in dust and it was not that much fun but when I got home I got back from the event I was you know much stronger because of my training and because of the event itself and you're much stronger physically and mentally. Yeah, I'll jump out over to the physical side since you guys covered the mental so well. On the physical side, I would say the hardest part isn't even just pedaling as long as you've done your training, you know. But I think one of the hardest factors is managing your hydration and your calorie intake um, both during training and during the event. And this is especially difficult, you know, if you're focusing on endurance for exploration and aren't on a race course with sag stations every 20 miles, figuring out, you know, how much water to carry, how much food to eat, how much to drink, and where you're going to refuel, you know, if you don't have somebody hauling stuff for you is extremely challenging. It honestly, especially in a lot of places, can be your limiting factor, whether or not you can get water or not. That's a whole, the whole logistics side to it. Like you said, you know, nutrition and hydration is really important. And I know I struggle with that here in Georgia in the summer when it's really hot. Like it's hard. It's, you know, I can drink obviously, but, and I want to drink, but it's hard to force yourself to eat when it's hot. You know, when you're like, when it's a hundred percent humidity and a hundred degrees, like you don't want to eat anything, you know, but you have to, because otherwise you're going to put yourself in a world of hurt. So that's another, I guess, physical but also mental, just, you know, knowing that you have to do it and making yourself eat while you're riding because, you know, you can get into a very bad place if you don't. Yeah, one of the guys I know that does some really big, long rides, that was his number one advice to me was figuring out the food intake and making sure that you're eating enough because that's, that's one thing that I guess, I mean, it's easy to do. Everybody can eat, but it's one thing that a lot of people overlook. So let's get a little more specific about endurance training here. What are some methods that you guys have used successfully to train for endurance events? Personally, Jeff wrote a training plan called the Dirty Century Training Plan for Finishers several years back. And I basically was like, okay, this makes sense and did exactly what he said to do. And that got me to and through my first Dirty Century. And essentially, the long story short is, in that plan, you you ride during the week, but you also have one long weekly ride, and you build that weekly ride by about 10% every week. And that could be distance if you're training by distance or time if you're training by time. But building by about 10% keeps you from doing too much too fast. And I believe in Jeff's plan, there's also every three or four weeks a little decline in your long ride, so a little bit of a taper every month but then you jump back into it the next week. I mean, that worked great for me. Yeah, I think that's, some people call that like a ladder plan or something, where, yeah, you're basically every week you're climbing another rung, getting a little bit higher, but, yeah, never never doing anything more than 
10% bigger than your previous week. I think for me, one of the things I've found over the years is just staying active all year long. You know, initially I would kind of take off the winter season. I mean, not take off in the sense that I didn't ride at all, but would definitely ride less in the winter and, and do less intense rides. But what I've found by staying active all year long and forcing myself to get out when it's cold and wet, that I was able to maintain fitness and not really have to to do a lot of training per se. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's really just you're keeping your base, but you can keep your base extremely high or surprisingly high just by doing your everyday thing and just just being consistent about it. Yeah, in the winter, I definitely, my, my rides are less intense. I still ride very frequently, but I try not to get the heart rate pegged all the time. And like you said, when you are actually training, you're building. So you increase your volume and intensity, but then rest is also a huge part of it. You know, I think that's um, something people often overlook is the is the rest side because you can't just go hard all the time and expect to get faster. Like that's just not realistic. The plan I did a couple of years ago, it, it had a good mix. I was riding five days a week, I believe, and it was a couple of days of intervals, a couple of days of longer rides and then one kind of just more like fun ride and yeah and then every week you increase you know you do your intervals for longer or you add one to the set of intervals that you're doing and I mean it, it really was amazing the difference that it made in a, in a short period of time. One other thing that I'll mention that has helped me is is finding a group of people to ride with while you're training for something and preferably a group of people who are a little bit faster than you because that's going to push you to, to ride harder. And a lot of times, I mean, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but, you know, the races I've done in the past, you know, I'll train and I'll be riding and I'm like, man, I'm riding great. And then I show up at the starting line and I'm like, holy cow, where, where did all these fast guys come from? I think I tricked myself into thinking I'm faster than I am. And so it's better to Figure that out early on that, hey, you've got a long way to go. There's a lot of really fast people out there. And if you try to stick to their wheel in training, then that's going to make it that much easier when you're in the race. I ride on the road a lot for training just because if there's very specific heart rates or cadences or you know things you're, you're trying to maintain, it's much easier to do that on the road than it is on the trail. And yeah, I, I think there is definitely something to be said for riding with people that are faster than you. But I also will say that if there are specific things that you're trying to achieve, sometimes that is easier to do by yourself. You know, if you're doing intervals, chances are that riding in a group is not going to work. I mean, other people that you're with are not going to want to do intervals necessarily unless they're, you know, training on the same plan as you are. Also, you know, on the days that you're supposed to go easy, if you're riding with a group, it can be, you know, it can be tempting to follow that guy that rides off the front or you know sprint for the county line sign or whatever I think it's important to ride with people that are faster than you at times because you can learn a lot you know especially on the trail you can you can see what lines they're taking and push yourself a little bit harder but yeah if you are trying to achieve very specific things or if you have a set workout sometimes it is best to to do it solo okay so we talked about the things to do when you're training for an endurance event, but what are some of the pitfalls that people need to avoid when they're trying to build up their endurance? Well, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but overdoing it, doing too much too fast and not 
having a variety in your in your workouts. If you just go out and peg it five days a week, you're just going to get worn out. You're not going to get faster. So that's a, a big thing and something to take very seriously, I guess, if you want to get faster. And, and the rest aspect, as I mentioned, is it's really crucial to give your a body a chance to recover in between your building blocks as you're increasing your volume and intensity. Yeah, I mean, that's really all about avoiding injury, you know, like overuse injuries. But then there's also the injuries that you could sustain from just doing dumb stuff on the bike. So when I'm training for an endurance event, I really take it easier on the technical stuff just to make sure. Cause I, I mean, I don't want to end up with a broken wrist or something two weeks before this, this big event that I'm training for. So I'm definitely more cautious about taking risks and things like that when I'm training for a big race. I'd say similar to what Aaron said is only doing one activity during your training, which, you know, in this case would be riding. I mean, I've done this in the past when building endurance, but more and more lately, I've sort of come to the conclusion that I don't think it's a really healthy way to stay or get in shape. You're much more prone to overuse injuries if you're only doing one thing, always riding your bike. And you're also more prone to injuries due to muscle imbalances and weaknesses if you're not working other muscle groups and not putting something else in your training plan. I mean, it doesn't, sometimes, you know, especially if you're focusing on a bike specific event, it doesn't need to be a lot, but it can be as much as, you know, strength training once a week or even running does a very different sort of bodily exercise. So, I don't know. That's one of my personal goals is just to be a more well-rounded athlete and uh, not just solely ride my bike. Definitely. One of the other things, one of the other pitfalls that I think a lot of people fall into is underestimating the amount of time that it's going to take to get ready for an event. So I ran into this particularly a few years back trying to do my 30 trails in 30 days challenge. You know, on paper, it, it didn't seem bad at all. I mean, it's it's just one trail a day. And I didn't even force myself to do a single trail every day. You know, I told myself, oh, I, I could knock out three trails in one day and then I'll do nothing the next couple of days. But in reality, it turned out to suck up a lot more of my time than I thought it would. I mean, there's all the driving involved and the different, you know, rides I was doing. And then on top of that, my bike was wearing out quicker. So I was like constantly trying to get stuff fixed and it just really sucked up way more time than I thought it would. So that's definitely something to keep in mind is how much time it's going to take honestly. And, and if you have that time to spare. All right. So finally, I want to ask, what are some of the side benefits to training for endurance racing? What are you going to get out of it other than just, you know, completing your big race or finishing that big epic ride? I would say one of the side benefits is losing weight. The lowest I've ever weighed since probably middle school was shortly after doing my dirty century. Uh, I was, that's a, that's a pretty good endorsement. I was running pretty light at that point in time. And I mean, it's like, especially if you're doing like endurance, if you're riding 80 plus miles on a weekend or in a single day, like you can't eat enough calories to replace all that. So you're basically guaranteed to lose weight. It's probably not like the best weight loss strategy. Like investing 10 or 15 hours a week training but it'll work (laughs) probably not the most efficient strategy i could say that but it'll make it happen yeah i think one of the things that i gained after doing a hundred mile bike race was just a lot of confidence you know that that i could tackle 
anything, whether it be on the bike. I mean, it definitely helped on the bike. There wasn't, there weren't a lot of rides out there that I thought I couldn't do anymore, but I think even off the bike, I mean, it just gives you a lot of confidence that you can accomplish things that you set your mind to. And that's why you, you look at these professional athletes. And I mean, those are some of the most confident people in the world. And it's because they, they train hard and they perform when the time comes. Yeah, I'll, I would definitely agree with you, Jeff. I'd, you know, but like I said, after I, I did the, the BC bike race, I came back and one of the kind of big local group rides we have here. It's called the Pizza Ride, and it rides from Decatur, Georgia, out to Stone Mountain, and it does two laps around the mountain. And I've done it, and before I did the BC bike race, I could never hang on for the entire second lap. I would always get blown off the back. And I don't know, something about, you know, I'm sure it was partly physical, but I think a big component of it was the mental side, just knowing the pain was going to go away eventually. It wasn't a permanent thing. I was able to to hang on to the group and and do the two full laps around the mountain. I mean, these guys are tearing ass 25-plus miles an hour on the road bike. So that was really cool. That was something that I didn't, I didn't necessarily expect. Well, hopefully this encourages a lot of people to consider endurance training, even if they're not preparing for a race or anything, but just, just there are a lot of benefits to doing it, even if you're not necessarily going to use it right away. So cool. This has been a fun discussion. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Check back on Monday for our podcast about planning an epic mountain bike trip. Peace.